At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. morning. If we've not had an opportunity to meet, my name is Kurt McDonald. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the church, and this morning it is my great privilege to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he add his blessing to it. Church family, there is no news greater than the good news. (laughs) There is no news greater than the gospel good news which we have received. See, we were uh, sinners Uh, We were rebels in a good king's kingdom, and what the good king should have done uh, was to execute the rebels and expel them out of his kingdom forever. But instead, that good king has sent his son Jesus to die in our place for our sins so that we might live with him in his kingdom forever. That's the good news. And there, there, there is no greater news than that good news. Now, just because there is no greater news than the gospel news, does not mean that there is no more good news other than that. (laughs) There is, the gospel is the greatest news, amen? But it doesn't end, the good news doesn't end with the gospel. It, It is certainly the greatest news of all, but there is icing on the cake, so to speak. Uh, Meaning that we have received the greatest treasure in the gospel, but there is treasure on top of the treasure. I mean, can you believe this, church family? This is This is absolutely incredible. So it's not as if the gift of salvation is the end of the story. The the heart of God is not, here is the gift of salvation, and don't ask for anything else. That's not the heart of the Father at all. And so are you ready this morning for the icing on the cake? The, The treasure on top of the treasure? Well, here it is. The God of the universe is your Father, and He loves to give good gifts. The God of the universe. Do do you know who that is? That's the God who spoke and things came into existence. He is the God of the universe, meaning everything in the universe is bending to the will of God. Nothing happens without his good decree, and everything that does happen is by his decree. He is the God of the universe, and that God, if you're a Christian this morning, is your father, meaning you're a son, you're a daughter, you have been adopted, you have been welcomed into a loving family, and the God of the universe is your father. And listen, he's not grumpy. He, he's, he's not a crotchety old, he, he loves to give gifts. He loves to. It's a a part of his heart. It's a part of his nature. It's a part of who he is. As the father, he is dying and desperate and loves to give you good gifts. I can't believe I get to preach this sermon today. This is so, um, this, this, what I'm saying to you is so mind-blowing. It is so earth-shattering. If we get this concept that the God of the universe is our father and he loves to give good gifts, I'm telling you, we would be the most prayingest people on the planet. We really would if we believe that. And so if you're, if you're taking notes, 
if the God of the universe is your father and he loves to give good gifts, pray. Pray, pray. I know praying us ain't, ain't a real word, but I'm going to say it again. If we really believe this, we really would be the most prayingest people on the planet B- because we would know there is the Father in heaven, and he is so eager to give me gifts, to, to pour out blessing on my life. Why wouldn't I go to him? Why wouldn't I reach out to him? Why wouldn't I pray to him like he is actually my father? And so, church family, let's go. Let's, let's pray. Let's ask. Let's seek. Let's knock. Let's pray some more. And once we prayed, let's pray again. Why wouldn't we pray? Could it be, church family, that our prayerlessness is a sign that we really don't understand the heart of God? Is that the reason for our prayerlessness? Could it be that our lack of prayer is a sign that we view God as a grumpy, distant relative? Not as a loving father, but as some grumpy, distant relative who has written us out of the will altogether instead of a father eager to give. And so my prayer this morning, my prayer this morning is that from the power of this text, from the words of Christ, that there would be a revival in the hearts of the people of Gospel Community Church fueled by prayer. That is my prayer this morning. I am praying for an unleashing of prayer warriors to push back the kingdom of darkness and expand the kingdom of light. My prayer This morning, I am praying for every member of this church to have a joyful dependence on God in all of life as a result of their prayers, as a result of their prayers. Okay, so today we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. Here's what we're going to see first. This is our outline for today. First, the importance of prayer. Jesus will show us how important prayer really is, the importance of prayer. Second, the model of prayer of prayer. Jesus lays out this pattern, this this model for us on on how on how to pray. So we'll see the importance of prayer, the model of prayer, the persistent prayer. We'll we'll see that in the parable that he tells. Fourthly and lastly, the result of prayer. What happens when we when we do pray? The result of prayer. Y'all ready to get into the word today? First, the importance the importance of prayer. Look with me, Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Does it tell us where he was praying? It doesn't tell us where he, is, he was praying because that's not important. What's important is that he was praying. In the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus repeatedly praying at these really pivotal moments in his ministry. These, these pivotal moments, you find Jesus in prayer. Jesus' life shows us the priority of prayer. Do you understand the work that Jesus was doing? Do, do you understand like how we feel, maybe this is just me, we feel pulled in 30,000 different directions in our lives. Amen? There's Jesus doing his work. You don't think he felt pulled in 30,000 different directions in his ministry? There, there was people to heal. There were sermons to preach. There was storms to calm. There was thousands of people to feed. Uh, there was towns to evangelize. I mean, he had so much to do. And yet you see him and you find him often pausing to pray. He sets aside even good things that need to be done, like healing people and preaching, and he sets those things aside to go into prayer, and with his very life, he is showing us the importance 
of prayer. He puts a pause on good things because he wants to go to his good father in prayer. And when he finished, I'm continuing on in verse 1, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. I find it interesting that they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, meaning it didn't come naturally to them. Does it come naturally to anyone else in the room? I mean, just, oh, I got, I, got, I got praying down pat. I don't need any instruction. No, they, they realize that they're seeing this model of Jesus going to the Father in prayer, and there's something happening in the life of their Lord in prayer. Meaning, as, as Jesus, I imagine them seeing Jesus go to prayer and receiving rest, receiving nourishment in his times of prayer with the Father, receiving joy, receiving peace during his times of prayer with the Father, Jesus receiving encouragement and coming out on the other side, being strengthened through prayer to the Father. And his disciples are saying, we want in on that. We, we want a part of what you're getting when you go to the Father in prayer. Apparently, we're not doing it right because you're getting some type of different result. So they ask, teach us to pray. And Jesus responds, look at verse 2. And he said to them, when you pray. <laughs> he, now, he, he didn't say, if y'all decide to pray. He, he said, when you pray. So, so he's not saying that, uh, uh, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, enhance your spiritual journey, you may want to consider prayer. That, that's not what he says at all. He says, when you pray, when you pray, there will never be a time when you are totally done with prayer. Amen. There will never be a time in your spiritual journey when you say, oh, I, I'm no longer totally dependent on God now. Uh, I have reached some type of higher plane uh, in my spirituality. I no longer need to pray. Well, certainly not. Certainly not. If you're taking notes, you will never be beyond the need to pray. We, we must pray. It, it should not be the last resort, church family. It should not be the last resort. I know that we often say, well, when you've done all that you know to do, all that's left is to pray. Well, you should have started with prayer. Prayer should have been in the middle. Prayer should have been at the end, and it should have been all in between. There's never a time when we are done with prayer. Okay, so what Jesus is going to do next, we're, we're, we're going to look at the model of prayer. We're moving on, second point, the model of prayer. What we're going to see is Jesus lead us through this very famous prayer. Uh, what you're going to notice is that um, it, it's not exactly like it's written in the uh, account in Matthew. So there's uh, Matthew adds some things, Luke leaves out some things, and, and that shouldn't trouble us at all. It, it, we shouldn't be freaked out about that. Why? Because Jesus was uh, going and teaching all the time. He, he was teaching in several different places in several different locations, and so he likely taught this prayer on multiple different occasions, and Luke is giving us the shorter account, the, the shorter sermon, right, is, is what Luke records here. So the issue is not whether we use these exact words, but what we're going to see is a model or a pattern, not a prescription for every occasion. Does that make sense? Okay, let's look together at the model of prayer. And, and can I give you an outline inside of our outline? Is that too nerdy? 
So, so under point two, here, here is what we are going to see. Here is, here is the model or the outline of the prayer, which we're about to see. It is going to be his name, his reign, his provision, his forgiveness, and his guidance. We're going to see his name, his reign, his provision, his forgiveness, and his guidance. That's the, that's the model of prayer. First, look at what he says. Jesus says, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. I know some of us in the room, that, that word is it's very loaded, isn't it? That word, Father. Some of us in the room grew up with good, godly fathers, which pointed us to the Lord and taught us to pray. And Others in the room grew up with maybe abusive fathers, maybe absent fathers. Maybe some of you in the room uh, grew up somewhere in the middle. This, this word father can be a loaded, a very loaded term, but can I tell you, church family, our father in heaven is not like our earthly fathers. He will never fail us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always protect us. He will always do what is best for us because we belong to him as sons and daughters. The God in heaven is a good, good father. He calls himself father. He's teaching us to call him father because he's revealing to us our very access to him. Obviously, this is a familial term, father. You, you can go to your father. He's saying, call me father because I look at you like a son or a daughter, meaning you can always, always, always come to me. Um, in the in the McDonald house, uh, our our littlest one is always up first. Uh, I, I'm usually awake as well, but but she's always up first, and I I hear her little pitter. I hear the door creak from her room, and and I hear her little pitter patter shuffle across the living room floor and on into the kitchen, and sh her her little face will appear in the doorway of our room, and she'll check and see if if mommy is awake because she doesn't want to wake mommy. She does not want to incur that wrath. So she looks, and if, if mommy is asleep, then Tally will come to the edge of the bed, and she will climb up into the bed and snuggle. It, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable grace. You know what I don't say to Tally? Talitha, you did not earn your spot here next to me. Talitha, go do your chores so that you would earn the right to come and snuggle with your father. I, I don't say that at all. Nor do I say, Talitha, you need to clean yourself up before you come snuggle this father. I mean, you have morning breath. It is unbelievable. Go brush your teeth, fix your hair, get out of your pajamas and put on something decent before you come to the father. No, she... She knows from the depths of her soul that she has the freedom to come into the arms of the Father without having to earn her spot, without having to clean herself up. She, she climbs into the bed and snuggles because she knows she is always welcome there. And in the same way, the, the God of heaven is your Father, and he's not asking you to earn your place. He's not asking you to clean yourself up. As the Father, he just says, I want to snuggle you. Come on in. Come on in for the real thing is what, is what the Father is saying. 
He, he, he wants us to call him Father in prayer as, as he reveals his heart. So first, the model of prayer begins with his name, that is, Father. By identifying himself as Father, he communicates to us our access to him. But then look at what he says next. Father, hallowed, hallowed be your name. This is a call all throughout Scripture. We're told to bless his name, to lift up his name, to call upon his name, to give thanks to his name. We are told never to take his name in vain because his name is holy. His name is hallowed. To say his name is to say his character, is to say his being, to say uh, his name is to say uh, this is who and what he is. He, he is to be hallowed. Our, our prayers should be filled with praise to God for who he is and for what he's done. He is holy, he is set apart, he is matchless, and no one is like him. So his name should be hallowed. His name should be praised. So Jesus begins this model prayer with uh, his name. So how do we pray? Well, a second, we'll see his reign. Do you see that next phrase? I'm going through this phrase by phrase. Stay with me. Father, hallowed be your name. The next phrase, the second part of the prayer, his reign, your kingdom come. Your, your, king, your kingdom, not, not my silly little kingdom, but yours, your kingdom come. Now, now the kingdom has already come in Jesus Christ, amen? The, the fullness of the kingdom was wrapped up there in human flesh, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The kingdom has come, but we also know that the kingdom is wherever Jesus rules and reigns in the hearts of men and women. Wherever Jesus is uh, ruling and reigning in the heart of a person, that person then is a subject of the kingdom. So there is the kingdom. Uh, in addition, um, as, as we play our part in this kingdom expansion, the kingdom is coming. As we plant churches, as we preach the gospel, as we help the poor and oppressed, as you raise your kids, as you help your coworkers and your neighbors, that is the kingdom becoming visible. So as you're praying the kingdom come, you're praying that God would rule and reign in the hearts of people everywhere. You're praying that his kingdom work would be done in and through you. And you're praying that as the kingdom comes, again, the kingdom of light is entering in, meaning the kingdom of darkness is being pushed back. So the very act of prayer is an act of war. <laughs> it's an act of spiritual war as you're praying for the coming of the kingdom because as his kingdom comes, it pushes out the kingdom of darkness. So we're praying for the kingdom of God. So, so we see his name. We see his reign. We also see his provision. Look in verse 3. His provision comes now. Give us each day, underline that, give us each day our daily bread. This, this instruction is for us to ask God to meet our daily needs. Church family, I wonder if you know that you have those. We, listen, we have so much stuff. We have so much stuff. I, I feel like this, this would have landed on a first century Galilean peasant in a really different way than it lands on us. That those people who 
literally were praying for a daily provision of bread. The, the, those people who maybe had a pair of sandals, those people who were, were poor and, and, as Jesus says, turned to the Father and asked for a daily portion of bread. It, it landed on them and sunk deep into their hearts. But us who have so much, we got freezers on freezers. We, we, we've got backup food for backup food. We've got closets filled with clothes and cars in the parking lots with gas tanks filled. And, and, and we've got money in the bank and we've got garages full of stuff that we don't even know what's in there. And so I wonder if we realize that we actually have daily needs which we need to turn to the Father and ask for his provision. Or has, has the amount of stuff drowned all of that out for us? The challenge for us then is that we have so much that we forget that we live in a continual state of dependence on God. Fourthly, we'll see his, his forgiveness, his name, his reign, his provision we also need to ask for his forgiveness. Look at verse 4. And forgive us our sins. Now, what I love about Jesus explaining this to us in this prayer is that this kicks right out the false doctrine of sinless perfectionism. <laughs> you know, that is a, it is a doctrine that some have, have sought to teach, sinless perfectionism, as, as if you can journey along with God in such a way that you get to a final place in your life where you sin no more. I, I am so filled with the Holy Spirit, and I've drawn so close to God that sin is no longer a factor in my life. Well, certainly not. <laughs> this is why Jesus instructs us in this prayer to ask him for forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. This is, uh, we know that we have been forgiven of past, present, and future sins, but sin hinders our relationship with God. And so we pray something like this, oh Lord, forgive me for this sin that I know that you have already forgiven by your shed blood on the cross, but help me to have victory over it. It's not only forgiveness for our sins, but look at the rest of verse four. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is a call from Christ not to be a hypocrite. That if we know that we have received undeserved forgiveness, then how could we hold a grudge? How could we withhold forgiveness from someone else who has done us wrong? Because we know we have done Christ wrong, yet he has extended that forgiveness to us. Forgiveness, then, is removing yourself as the judge. I'll say that again. Forgiveness, then is removing yourself as the judge. This is what God is asking us to do. Fifthly, his guidance. So his name, his reign, his provision, his forgiveness, and his guidance. Look at the end of the prayer. And lead us not into temptation. This is asking God to keep us from situations where we would fall into sin. This is asking the Lord to put roadblocks in our way in between us and our favorite pet sins. So, so to ask the Lord, lead us not into temptation, he, he's, he's not saying, Lord, don't lay a trap for us to sin because the Lord would not do that, according to James chapter 1, verse 13. He is saying every one of us, if put in a particular set of circumstances, would choose sin over obedience. And the request from the Lord then is, Lord, don't put me in that situation. Don't, don't allow me to even go near to that situation is, is the request of the Lord. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to sum up that whole thing. 
Let, let me see if I can do it for us. If, if we were to look at that, that entire outline, that pattern of prayer, maybe, maybe it would be something like this. Write this down. Prayer is acknowledging who God is and who we are in light of him. Isn't that what that prayer was? The, the beginning of it, acknowledging who God is. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That, that is acknowledging who God is, but then it's also acknowledging who we are, totally dependent on him for our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Acknowledging who we are, forgive us of our sins. We're sinners prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And, and, and asking the Lord, don't lead us into temptation. That's acknowledging who God is and acknowledging who we are in light of, of him. Okay, third, third, we, we have to move on. So again, we're, we're now moving away from the outline within the outline. We're going on to our third point now, persistent prayer. Let's look at verses five uh, and, and six together. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I will have nothing to set before him. What Jesus now is doing, he's giving us the model of prayer but now he's communicating to us, this is so key, what our hearts should be like as we pray. What our hearts should be like as we pray. So he begins to tell this parable. Uh, here's this man who has arrived, and it's midnight. Uh, we're assuming this man was traveling at night because it's super hot during the day. So, so they would travel at night. He arrives at his friend's house at midnight, but his friend has nothing to set before him. And this is not a culture that thinks that hospitality um, is an option. Hospitality is a duty. If you don't have something to set before a friend who comes in from out of town, it is a very shameful thing. Like you, this, We don't do that. So in his haste, he jumps up and goes to his neighbor's house and says, Hey! I got this friend here. I need, I need some bread. Look at verse 7. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is shut. Listen to this. Parents in the room, you feel this one. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. We know that, that few moments of silence when the kids are finally asleep. Isn't it so glorious for the first time all day long, there's no little questions and no little voices. They're asleep, and they're precious and beautiful. Asleep. And, he, and here comes your neighbor. Hey, hey, I need, I need some. Shh, we just got him asleep. So you can understand, again, get the picture in your mind of, again, maybe a, a first century uh, person of uh, low uh, income. They, they would live in these one-room houses two levels on the bottom level would be the animals the, their stock and on the second level would be just a big open room and, and they would all sleep there together and here's this man down there banging on the door well what what's going to happen look at what jesus says in verse 8 i tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, this word impudence is not common to us. We, we don't say this word very often, but if you're reading in your ESV Bible, you'll see there's a footnote there. If you follow that footnote down, you'll see that the word is also translated persistence. Because the guy is going to keep banging on the door and wake up the kids because he's going to keep disturbing me 
It's not because this is my neighbor or my friend, but because he just keeps knocking on the door. I got to get up and give him something so he'll go away. Right? That's, that's what Jesus is, is saying to us, that because of his persistence, because he keeps on at it. So the call to per- persistence, listen, is for us. <laughs> this, this call to persistence is to show us our heart in prayer. This parable, pay very close attention. This parable is to show us our heart. This parable does not show us the heart of God. That's the next parable. Are y'all with me? So the heart of God is not verse 7. Did you see that? So we are the person banging on the door. But the heart of God is not verse 7. Look back at verse 7. Do not bother me. That is not the heart of God. The, The point of the parable is not to describe the heart of God. It is to describe our heart. And so can we just for a moment collectively as a church body repent of ascribing verse 7 to the heart of the Lord? Can can we say, Lord, forgive us for thinking that we're bothering you when we come to you. He, He has already described himself as the father whom you can climb up into his arms at any time. Yet we treat him like, I'm not going to take this to him. It's going to bother him. After all, he's trying to run the universe. He doesn't have time to worry about my little insignificant problems. No, we, we, are, we are called to be persistent in prayer. So the call to persistence is not so that God will hear us, like we, we just have to keep on going because he's oblivious or he's forgetful. If you're taking notes, the call to persistent prayer reflects our dependence on him. That, that's why Jesus is instructing us to be persistent because our needs persist. Our our desperate need for him keeps on going, so the call to us is to keep on going to God in prayer. That's why he's saying be persistent. The idea is not that we beg the Lord uh, as if he were reluctant to give. The reason we continuously pray is because we are continuously in need of him, meaning your salvation, your growth in the Lord, your spiritual maturity, your marriage, your friendships, your finance, your career, your parenting, income, all of that, you name it, is all 110% dependent on him. On your own, you can create or maintain none of it. Everything that you have and all that you are is totally dependent on his grace and kindness to you, so pray to him. So pray to him. Okay, fourthly and lastly, the result, the result of prayer in verses 9 through 13. He's told the parable, so he's instructed them how to pray. He told them the parable about how their heart should be in prayer, persistent, dependent. And now he wants to explain to us the heart of the Father in prayer. Here it is. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Verse 10 is astonishing. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Do you see the, the escalation there in the prayer? That persistent escalation. It, it started uh, it, it started with uh, uh, seek, seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be ask, seek, 
fine, knock. It, it keeps growing, getting bigger as we are more and more persistent in prayer. And what is the result? The result is astonishing. Jesus gives us a guarantee that God the Father will answer your prayer. So when you seek, you will find it. When you knock, the door is going to be open. This is, this is an incredible promise from God. When you pray, God hears and he responds. And God, the God of the universe, answers your prayers. Period, paragraph. He answers your prayers. Now, some of y'all are looking at me funny. <laughs> I, I, I can feel the objection even now. You might say to me, Pastor Kirk, I have asked, and it was not given to me. I have looked, and I did not find. I knocked, and not only was the door not open to me, it was slammed in my face. <laughs> so, so what gives? Some of my prayers have gone unanswered. Is that anyone this morning? Well, we know that God does not answer all of our prayers in the affirmative, which can be a good and great blessing which is why the great theologian Garth Brooks has to say, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, just because he does not answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are, let me tell you on the authority of the words of Christ and the truthfulness of the Bible, unanswered prayers do not exist. Unanswered prayers do not exist. Sorry, Garth Brooks. You're dead wrong. Unanswered prayers do not exist. God always answers our prayers. 100% of the time, God is answering your prayers. He's answering your prayers with a yes, a no, or a not yet, a later. And most of the time, let me just add one more answer. Most of the time, what God is saying to you is I have something. Yes, no, later, or I, I've got something better. But there is never a non-answer from heaven. When we ask, we receive. When we seek, we find. There is never an unanswered prayer. If you're taking notes, God always answers our prayers with what is best for us. With what is best for us. He knows what is best, and he always answers our prayers. So everyone who asks, receives that is, receives what is best for them coming from the hands of a loving father. He continues on in this parable. Look at it in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Right. Answered, no fathers do that. <laughs> e even uncaring or absentee fathers still wouldn't do that. They, right? That's, that's the whole point. If you then, I love this, if you then, who are evil, <laughs> tell us what you really think, Lord. <laughs> if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father? Dad's in the room. Can, can, we, can we just be, man, I love, I love, buying my little girl stuff. I, I mean, I can't, I can't get enough. I buy them stuff they don't even need. I buy them stuff they didn't ask for. I just buy them stuff because I like to buy them stuff. It, I mean, it is one of the greatest things in my entire life, giving my two little girls stuff. I like it. 
right? Their, their room is jammed full of stuff, and I just keep buying it. I can't help myself. This is confession time this morning. I got a real problem. I need y'all's help. <laughs> buying my little girl stuff. But, but don't you see, that? that's what Jesus is communicating to us about the heart of the Father. That the heart of the Father, as we go to him in prayer, he is, he is so excited for you this morning. God the Father is so eager for you to come to him because he is, I mean, he's fired up about giving you stuff. He's fired up about blessing you. He's fired up about pouring out his love, his grace, his mercy, his growth in you. He wants to do that because he's a good father. He's a good father. So why, why, don't, why don't we go to him? Why? If this is who he is, and this is what he wants to do, if this is his heartbeat of a loving father, eager to give you good gifts, we should, we should go to him and pray now. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all caught me. I left off that last part. Did, did y'all see the end of verse 13? It is, it's a surprise. There's a surprise at the end of verse 13. It, it, do, it reads strange, but look at it. So, so he says, if you then who are evil, y'all with me? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, this is how it should read. How much more will the heavenly father give good gifts? gifts. That's what it should say. But that's not what it says at all. Jesus surprises us there with with this, this change of the phrase. He says, how much more will the heavenly father not give you good gifts, but give the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. The greatest gift of all that God the Father gives his children is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that's why Jesus died on the cross? Did you know that? You could not be indwelled by the Holy Spirit if you are still dead in your trespasses and sins. But because Jesus Christ has died on the cross in our place for our sins, has expiated that great theological term, which means to send out, to, to push away, to remove as far as the east is from the west. You have, you have been expiated from your sins so that now the, the dwelling place is a proper dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. That is the gift that he gives to us. And, and on that great day, just imagine he's speaking this to the disciples. The, the new age of the Spirit has not come in and been inaugurated yet. But on that great day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in power and he's ushering in the new age of the Spirit where we sit today here and now in the new reign of the Holy Spirit where he continually indwells those who belong to God. So the good gift of God is the Spirit of God living inside of us, directing us, helping us, protecting us, defending us, living inside of us, not taking a day off. He's never on vacation. He's always helping us. The Apostle Paul says it this way. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Are you here this morning in weakness? Hear the words of the Apostle Paul. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself. Could you, you believe that? The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Even if you're here this morning and you feel like a total failure in your prayer life. Anybody? feel like I feel like a total failure in my prayer life. The Word of God says that the Heavenly Father has given you the Holy Spirit 
and he's going to help you pray. He's going to intercede. For, he's going to pray the prayers that you don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit is going to pray those prayers for you in your time of need and in your time of weakness. And so on the authority of this text and on the words of Christ, I can say this, not if the God of the universe is our Father, but because, because, here it is, church family, write this down, because the God of the universe is your Father, and He loves to give good gifts, pray. I, I, I don't need to give any more application than that, do I, church family? Pray. Pray. Persistently. Continually. Unceasingly. Pray. 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 I dare you. I double dog dare you this morning to get out your phone and set a reoccurring alarm to pray. I dare you this morning to meet daily with God in the morning and spend time in prayer. See what happens if you start praying with your spouse and your kids on a regular basis. I dare you to show up week by week to your community group and pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I double dog dare you to show up Sunday by Sunday morning and pray together with your forever family and watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do, church family. I can guarantee you this on the authority of this text. Here is what he will do. He will answer your prayers. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom the power Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.